This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. Fellas, you got to check out Manscaped. You need to do it. Forget about anything else. It's not weird. You need to check out Manscaped. You need to get yourself a lawnmower 3.0. You need to get all of the products. You especially need to get yourself some crop preserver if you are going outside. You need it all. So make sure you check out Manscaped. Use that code DNVR20 for 20% off whatever you get from Manscaped. Let's jump into the show. All right, welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast, DNVR Broncos live to those of you tuning in on YouTube and Periscope. And might I remind you to go over to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel, make sure you give us a thumbs up on this video and our other Broncos videos. We really appreciate that. And of course, we always love a good iTunes review as well from those of you who are listening to us via podcast. But Zach, let me just give you the floor real quick. Go ahead. My boys, what's up? Happy to be joining you live here from Dove Valley. Great to have you, Zach. And man, I, you know, I was doing a bet show. I've been busy all morning, so I haven't been keeping up much with what went down at Broncos training camp. So I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. And I know already from the headline that you sent me uh, that it's going to be an exciting one. I sound, I'm going to sound like a broken record just on steroids today, guys. Last time I was out here, of course, the Broncos weren't in pads and it was a defensive day. The front seven just for the offensive line. Today, it was like that on steroids with pads. And this time, it wasn't led by, by an entire front seven. It was led by number 58, Von Miller. Absolutely took over practice. And now on the flip side of that, he was destroying one Elijah Wilkinson, who was a starting right tackle all day. Uh, well, you know what? I hate to say it, but it's not a surprise. So that's going to lead me to the next question. When did DeMar Dotson play, and when do you expect to see him move up the depth chart? Well, I was uh, taken in practice next to Tyler Columbus, and he knows a <laughs> thing or two about uh, the tackle position with the Denver Broncos. And the whole time, every, pretty much after every single play, he was going, it was Elijah's side again, Elijah's side again, Elijah's side again. And of course, I was seeing that too, but <laughs> it, it, it was a tackle, a former NFL tackle, putting it on solely one player. It wasn't like, oh, you know, a chip was missed there and there could have been some of this or that. No, a former player saying that. Um, and it was uh, DeMar Dotson still very much with the backups, not getting any time with the ones, the third team. 
is where he's rolling right now. Uh, stop wasting time, guys. Get DeMar Dotson up to the first team post-haste. Just end the charade, please. I mean, Zach, was this bad enough where you think the coaches got to go have a meeting and say, look, you know, we realize Dotson's got to get his conditioning up to speed and this, that, and the other thing, but offensively, we're not going to be able to get a thing done as long as we have Vaughn Miller going up against Elijah Wilkinson. I don't know how you can't. And today it was ones against ones. Yesterday they had the ones against twos. Uh, and Ryan, uh, to, to get the offense going, you almost need to put the the first string offense against the twos tomorrow just because, again, I wasn't able to see Jerry Judy do much. I wasn't able to see this offense stretch out. I'm still waiting to see it because for a second day that I've been here, the the front seven and Von Miller has just really destroyed practice. Now, it was a, a more of a run-focused practice. They still threw the ball more than they ran the ball because that's the NFL. But they ran the ball a little more. But I was still seeing in the run game. There wasn't there wasn't much room outside of one or two plays where a hole popped open uh, for anything to happen. And again, now the the runs were crashing from all sides. But number sixty-eight just kept kept letting those guys come in. It's tough to hear. You know, you hate to pile on a guy, and you hate to hear. Uh, time after time after time that he's struggling out there. Uh, but it's been a tough start uh, for a guy who I think a lot of fans were hoping was going to win the left tackle competition. And I put competition in air quotes. You're seeing now kind of what we were talking about on this show when that narrative was being tossed around there, which is, look, I realize Garrett Bowles is not, you know, the ideal fit for what you're looking for at left tackle. If Elijah Wilkinson is anything like a left tackle that he was at right tackle last season, you don't want that either. Uh, and and this is why we were so bullish about signing DeMar Dotson long before it ever became reported that the Broncos were having him for a visit. It's just that's not it's not going to work over there. Yeah, no, it, it it's not. And there was one. Uh, so, so you know how they, they do a team period, then they'll do something else in a team period, or it'll be the first team, second team, third team. The offense, the first team offense had six team periods. Von Miller got to the quarterback on at least five of those series. So that's Ooh. like saying Von Miller gets a sack or gets extreme pressure on pretty much every single series in a game. That's how dominant he was. And yeah, it was it Elijah, was it Von, maybe a mix of both. Uh, so you can look at it from the good side. You can look at it from the bad side. But there was a three-play sequence in there, back-to-back-to-back plays, where uh, Elijah was beat on a sack, Von Miller coming off the side. Uh, it was a play action, and there was just no time for a play action to develop. The next one, Von had incredible burst off the edge, flew right by Elijah, likely would have been a strip sack. I mean, Vaughn's hand was right there. You're just not supposed to touch any part of the quarterback. So couldn't see if it would have been, uh, but definitely a sack, if not a strip sack. And then the next play, guys, literally was a strip sack. You're not supposed to touch the ball or the quarterback, but uh, they did. I wasn't sure if it was Vaughn or Draymond that got his hand on it. Um, but back to back to back plays of sacks with one of them definitely being a strip sack and one of them likely being a strip sack. All, and what you're saying, you're talking about Von Miller all from that side. Was there any pass rush coming from the other flank? How was Garrett Bowles holding up in his matchups? Well, better, B- better than the right side. But on one play before that, 
uh, not right before, but but a, a few plays before, you had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb both get off the side so fast that in order to not hit Drew Locke, they just they ran into each other. And it wasn't a terrible collision or anything, but they'd rather run into each other than run into the quarterback. Um, so no one on the offensive line was perfect. And guys, uh, Austin Schlotman got the shot again today. So that's back-to-back days for him getting the shot at center. That's three of four days where he got the shot at center. Unfortunately, the very first pass of the day, Mike Purcell blows by him and Drew Locke runs, but it, it likely would have been a sack as well. So that, that he was he was uphill from there. There wasn't a ton of interior pressure today, but man, as much as I want to say that, that Schlotman was trending in the right direction, that very first play made it hard to follow that narrative. Apparently, Zach brings the sacks uh, when you go to practice. I, I Dare I even ask who stood out on offense? Melvin Gordon stood stood out on offense. Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon shared the load uh, again, and I'll get to both of the running backs right now. Melvin Gordon had the play of the day on offense. You had uh, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and Tim Patrick out there for pretty much the majority of practice. When it was the first team wide receivers, that was it. So good news to report that Jerry Judy now seems to be a staple with the first team offense. That's something we've been begging for. And it seems, at least in today's practice, that that was the case. But you had all of those guys out there, tons of weapons. And Drew Locke, this was in a red zone period from about the 20-yard line, uh, throws this dime. It was a perfect ball. Perfect coverage from Alexander Johnson on Melvin Gordon in the front right corner of the end zone. Drops it right over his shoulder. You know what they say? You you can't beat a perfect pass. You couldn't because uh, it it was perfect coverage from Alexander Johnson. Melvin Gordon got it in. Tippy toes in. Touchdown uh, for, for the Broncos. Play of the day by far from them. And he was consistent in the pass game. Looked good on some runs as well. Uh, but like I said, there not a lot of holes were opening up. On the flip side, this was uh, this was Philip Lindsay's worst day of practice. Uh, he had a ball go right through his hands. It was a it was a, a zip from Drew, uh, but went right through his hands. And then a couple plays uh, before that, he put the ball on the ground on on a run um, up the middle, and he was very fiery after that. Very mad at himself after practice. Uh, Vic said he loves seeing that fire, whether it's Phil being mad at himself, being mad at uh, so, uh, teammates. He loves that fire, and, and he was very fiery. I'm not concerned about Phil, guys. Um, th- last week when Phil said he wasn't going to drop any passes this year, did I believe that? No. I knew he <laughs> the ball was going to go through his hands occasionally. And he's a guy that doesn't fumble, so I'm not concerned about fumbling problems. But it was a surprise to see a fumble. I'm actually shocked. You know, much has been made, and I'll touch wood before I even say this, much has been made about the fact that Philip Lindsay hasn't fumbled in his NFL career. I don't know if I ever remember him doing it in practice before you just told me that. Yeah, I, I can't think of it. Unreal. And I've told this story before, but it's funny because his first action at CU when he came back from the ACL injury, he had a, a fumbling problem. Uh, and it was one of those things where – he was so electric when he got the ball in his hands, but he fumbled enough that it became a concern. And then, you know, he just eradicated that completely uh, and completely took that out of his game. It wasn't a part of his game in the latter part of his career. So you hasn't been a part of his game in the NFL. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure he was really pissed about that. It, for all I know, it may have been the first time he's fumbled in practice in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it I, very I, well 
Yeah, I don't recall one. The one thing, though, I want to ask you, you, Zach, since you're being you're out there today, do you think that maybe when you see a drop and a fumble, and because it's completely uncharacteristic for Phil, that maybe with the competition he's pressing a little bit? Yeah, and, and that was a question asked by our guy Troy Rank to, to Vic after practice. Uh, and that's when Vic said, um, no, I, I don't think that, that you can really be pressing too hard. I love that Phil brings that mentality to every single practice. But uh, Mace, I do think that's a, a really good point that maybe he is trying a little too hard or bringing 110% for every single play. Uh, and uh, you can love that. Or you can make the argument that, that sometimes it may just get to him even more, more than anything. Yeah, and it's what I talked about yesterday where he's he's trying to score a touchdown every single time he gets the ball, uh, and that can cause you to take your eye, your eye off the ball. That can cause you to, you know, try and do one extra move when maybe you should have just covered the ball with two hands. So uh, it's interesting because you saw the good side of that yesterday. He was just so energetic, and it just looked like he had an extra gear above everyone. And you saw the downside of that today of maybe he, you know, he hurt himself by pressing a little bit. Right. Of course, the old Mike Shanahan cliche used to be that every play was designed to score a touchdown. Kyle he, Shanahan you know, says the same thing. Uh-huh. That's yep. exactly where he got it from, guys, from his old man. And yep. I think I asked Skangs last year, do you feel that way as well? And he said no. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's why it, uh, he was only in town one year. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I guess, uh, you know, he didn't want to disappoint himself because if you're expecting a touchdown on every play and you only get like two per game, uh, <laughs> you might have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right, Guys, Zach, uh, so, what else do we need to know? Some other good things from practice. I liked what I saw from the third cornerback position from the Broncos. A lot of rotating today on both sides of the ball, but at cornerback, I liked what I saw from Yadam. And I really liked what I saw from Devontae Bosby. Devontae Bosby had another pick today. Um, and and Yadam had uh, a PBU going up against Cortland Sutton. So uh, was a big fan of both of those guys today. Michael Ojemudia got in a couple of snaps with the ones, but I didn't see him flash. We're going to hear from Devontae Bosby later. That's the, that's the guy I'll be spotlighting today on uh, my written piece on DNVR. And uh, he had some... He had some pretty cool things to say about the training he went through in the offseason and uh, also about uh, Judy and Hamler. But, uh, yeah, he looks like he he looks the part right now. And I thought I think if you were taking these veteran quarterbacks and basing it on who's going to be the number three on what they did last year, I think with all respect to Devontae Harris and Isaac Yadam, I, uh, Devontae Bosby is the best of that trio. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and that gives me a quick chance. To tell you that if you want to read that story, if you want to read Zach's full report from camp today, go to the dnvr.com and subscribe. When you subscribe, you're going to get a free t-shirt of your choice. And we just dropped two beauties yesterday if you're an Avs or Nuggets fan. And of course, we'll have more Broncos ones coming this year. Uh, and you'll get a free mask so you can be safe. Uh, and you'll get all of our content. You'll get to access the DNVR lounge, which is a great place to hang out. I'm sure some of our uh, members can uh, vouch for that. Uh, and if you, if, I think we actually have the new shirts if you want to check those out. So there they are right there. Uh, that abs one, man, that 90s style design. 
I know that Broncos fans are also nostalgic for the '90s, as uh, as Avs fans are as well. So there's all of the all the options, lots of Broncos options, Buffs, Rams, Avs, you know, the the whole thing. So uh, make sure you go to thednvr.com and give us a chance with a a membership. Okay, Zach, uh, you are getting ready to start a point there, so uh, go ahead. Well, some good news that we did see on the offensive side of the ball. KJ Hamler getting some runs with the ones. We had a formation where he had Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant out there. And boy, I mean, that that's the future. Um, and again, didn't get to see anything come of it today because Von Miller decided to ruin practice and, and ruin the offense's plans. But I'm happy to see that we're not waiting three weeks to see Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler get in with the ones. I just wish that we were seeing that with the tackle position as well, but I guess you can only ask for so much, but it was good to see KJ in there with the ones again. Well, sometimes you can see the intent of their long-term plans with glimpses in camp, because like on Friday, we did see that Judy Hamler Sutton Fant alignment for a couple of plays. So I think that's where they want this thing to go. And when it came down to it, the Broncos wanted Elijah Wilkinson to be the right tackle because he's younger, he has upside, but at the same time, you can't deny what you're seeing out there on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I've heard, this isn't like a we're holding Dotson back, has to earn it type of thing as much as it is uh, we're trying to get him up to speed with the offense and get him up to speed with the altitude. Right, right, it, it, exactly. Um, so some other things from, from today's practice, there was tons of rotating at wide receiver today. Like I said, you had Judy and Sutton in there for the most part, but you also had like Ken, Kendall Hinton getting in there with the ones. You had guys all over the place getting in with the ones, and I, I got to think that's the, that's the team just trying to give these young guys a shot here or there to prove themselves just because they don't have the preseason games to do that. But it was definitely the most rotating that I remember in like number three, number four, number five guys getting in with the first team. It was the most that I've seen. So I'm curious if that continues. Um, but it was very good to see uh, Judy and Sutton out there being the staples of the wide receiver group for the Broncos. And man, after practice, Jerry Judy again receiving extremely high praise from another vet in the secondary. AJ Boye just couldn't stop talking about Jerry Judy. Said that Jerry going up against Jerry Judy is already helping him work on his game. An eight-year vet going against a rookie. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's it's incredible the praise that he's getting. Real quick, Zach, just to circle back, would you say that the Broncos are hinting? Uh, that they like Kendall by letting him play up there. <laughs> yes, and, and, and he's uh, he's hinting that he uh, deserves a spot at least on the 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 practice squad, making a few catches today. Uh, that's absolutely wild, though, with AJ Boye. I mean, this is the type of stuff I've been talking. We have been talking about though for so long. You know, it's it's uh, guys like Muhammad Sanu, I believe, reaching out to Jerry Judy for route running tips when he's a junior in college. It's it's, you know, Kareem Jackson now saying he's the best route runner he's, or gets in and out of his breaks as good as anyone he's ever seen. A.J. Boye saying going up against rookie Jerry Judy in his fourth practice in the NFL is helping the eight-year vet get better. This stuff is insane. Like, 
you know, it's not a one-to-one comparison by any means, but this is what Chiefs fans were like freaking out about with Patrick Mahomes. You know, when he got there, the praise from top to bottom of the roster was off the charts from, you know, the second practice. There was fables coming out about 80-yard passes in the air and this, that, and the other thing. And like, you know, you were just hoping from the Broncos' perspective that it was all training camp hype. Um, but there's a certain way, like, you sh- there's no one you should listen more to than defensive veterans when it comes to offense. There is no way they are just handing out praise to rookie wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball. In fact, they'd much rather tell you, like, oh, yeah, that guy, a Judy kid, he's got a long, long way to go. Uh, you know, he's got a lot to learn in the NFL. That's what they would prefer to say. So they're telling you that this kid is the real deal. He is absolutely the real deal. Yeah, I mean, this is typically how rookies are talked about during training camp. After practice, we talked to Graham Glasgow, and and he was asked about the young guys uh, on the offensive line. And he said, oh, yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, not 95 uh, is really good. M- McTelvin, I think his name is. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's what he said. And instead, these guys know who Jerry Judy's name is, and they're talking to him in after practice to get tips. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, and that that's exactly what you wanted. That's what we thought he was going to be the best wide receiver in the class, and and he's certainly proving it today. Uh, and speaking of Kareem Jackson, he made a play today in practice, Maester, and seven-on-sevens, uh, Drew Locke just really floated a ball up in the air down the right side, playing that free safety or, or play, playing safety back there. He roamed over, easily picked it off, and then was off to the races. It was just seven-on-seven, seven, so I don't want to put as much – emphasis on it as in team uh but that that was a, a poor decision a poor ball and a good read by kareem yeah i think it's also uh good to note that uh, with drew lock not it's not a hundred percent that there are going to be mistakes it's okay i don't think anybody should be getting worried about the interceptions in part because one thing that drew lock showed last year is that when he made mistakes in games he learned from them and got better if he has a mistake a bad read a bad throw even if it's kareem jackson one of the better safeties in the league making a play on it He's going to learn from that. So I'm not, it's, it's funny when there were two interceptions for Drew Locke on Friday, it was, there was some concern in the Twitter sphere, but I'm like, okay, come on, let's, uh, let's just dial it back in a little bit. What most of what Drew Drew Locke is doing is just fine. Yeah. And I'm not worried about, about that at all either, Mason. I'm actually very impressed with his decision-making both days that I've been here. I haven't got to see him light it up, but I have seen good decision-making. Like I said, that was the only really bad decision that I saw from Drew today, and it was in seven-on-seven, so not even that important. Um, Today, he wasn't able to move around and get out of the pocket as much as he was on Sunday. lot of sacks today because it it was coming from the outside, uh, and and there was just no room for for Drew to go. So, But his decision-making is good. Instead of, you know, it's better to get us to take a sack uh, instead of throw a pick. And unfortunately, there are times where you have to take sacks. And unfortunately, today, there are a lot of times. Were there any turnovers from anyone across the team? Yeah, we, we, Devontae Bosby had that pick. Kareem Jackson had the pick uh, in, in seven on sevens. Uh, and Bosby's was during team. Now, that was against uh, Jeff Driscoll. Bosby was blanket coverage, I believe, on Tyreek uh or on uh, yeah Tyree Cleveland and bad bad decision. Uh, Jeff Driscoll did have a better day today than he did on Sunday, but still not lighting it up by any means. Mm. 
Let me I'm ask worried you about that. I'm worried about backup quarterback, honestly. Yeah, I was just going to say, Zach, uh, l- let me ask you this. Do you notice any discernible difference between the number nine in this training camp and the number nine in last training camp? No, and before you even asked the question, <laughs> I already knew the answer, and I was shaking my head because I've thought about that both practices. It doesn't matter who, who's, who's out there. And I actually thought you were going to say the difference between number nine and number four. Um, but oh. – there's no real difference between those guys right now. And now I do think that he will get the benefit of the doubt for a very long time, especially with no preseason. I think it's going to be tough for Brett Rippon to take that spot, but I would start thinking about it the way, the way it's been. And yeah, compared number nine from this year to last year, not much so far, except he hasn't hurt any running back. So that's good. Could have had chase Daniel. I said it. You did say it. You did say it. <laughs> and unfortunate. And unfortunately, the the way it's looking right now, Drew is Drew's going to be under a lot of pressure. Uh, at least if this is the way the line continues to play. And I got to be honest, I was on a a radio show in Portland, Maine yesterday. Yeah, that's a thing that I did. Uh, and they were asking me, like, you know, if this uh this offense is so if this offense is, you know, so loaded with talent, give me one reason why they might not pop. And it was, of course, the offensive line. You know, that's the one place where you have multiple question marks. And that is scary. It's scary, you know, no matter how you slice it. It's the one thing that can hold this offense back. Yeah, exactly. And one more thing from practice today. Uh, There was another Drew Locke interception during the team period. He tried to fit a a, a dart into a tight window that wasn't there. Justin Simmons tipped the ball and A.J. Boye, who wasn't even covering that uh, that play, jumped and caught it at the very, very corner of the sideline, got his feet in. Um, and of course the offense was saying it was incomplete. The defense was saying he got it, but uh, a really good play by Justin to break that ball up and a really, really nice play by AJ Boye to, uh, to make a heads up pick. Mace, you got any, you got any final questions? No, I'm good. Just want to see your report later today. <laughs> It'll be detailed with much more on the DNVR.com. Zach, I do have one last question for you. My question is, when Elijah Wilkinson was getting beat, was he saying this? Screw this. I think so. Screw this. Screw this. With, uh, man, with Von Miller coming off, every time Von Miller lined up across from him, he was saying that. Oh, Mace, we no, love you. No, no, <laughs> That <laughs> lives on forever. We've got our drop for the year, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, I hope I hope we don't have our drop for the year. That wouldn't yeah. be good. Uh, <laughs> uh, that honestly might be better than World of Suck in terms of quotes of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach, we're going to let you go to get uh, to get to work on your report, which, of course, will be up on thedmvr.com later. Again, become a member. Get yourself a shirt, a mask, uh, and then a couple other notes. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe there. Hit us with a like on these videos. It helps boost this up so more people can see us. We can add to the DNVR community. Uh, And for those of you who like to enjoy the 
comment section of the podcast. We'll be over there on the, in the podcast format for the rest. But for today, on the live portion of this, that's going to do it. Well, shout out to everyone who's still listening to us on the pod format of the show. And also a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery for all of their delicious beers that keep us going through this hot summer in Denver. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR and supporting them is supporting us. And what better than to support DNVR while drinking beers? I can't really think of much better than that. Uh, probably as soon as we finish this podcast, Mesa, I might go downstairs and have me a ice cold strawberry, uh, strawberry sky member sized. And I thought you were going to have the RK special right there. I mean, I'm shocked that you're just going for something that only has one brew in it. This might surprise you, or maybe it won't surprise you, but we can't make RK. We sold so many RK specials that we ran out of hot peak IPA at the bar. So we're waiting to replenish uh, that uh, we're waiting to replenish <laughs> that uh, that supply at the bar. Oh my goodness! Well, I have to get one of those myself. I've never had the RK special. I gotta tell you though, it's hard. It would be very difficult for me to go away from Strawberry Sky because a I'm a fruit beer guy, and b it's just so consistently tasty, smooth, refreshing. It's the perfect summer day or night beer. Yeah, one of the worst takes that floats around there in the world is that fruit doesn't belong in beer. Oh my gosh, uh, that couldn't be more wrong. And I and while you know, of course we're seeing the praises of of Strawberry Sky, but you can go to any number of micro brews around the country and find some great fruit beers, and it and it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside that our friends at Breckenridge Brewery have something that is one of my very favorite fruit beers and is my favorite strawberry beer in particular. Yeah. I might argue that it's the greatest fruit inspired beer of all time, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, also a big shout out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. man, you know, I was telling this story on the bets show today, but uh, down here at the DNVR bar last Saturday and the Colorado sports games had ended. There was a, there was a, a break there between nuggets and abs and Rockies. And I'm sitting here with uh, uh, Andre, or actually, I'm sitting here with Henry and Eric, Eric, who designs our shows, uh, our shirts. Mm-hmm. And we're like, man, what are, what are we going to do? We turn on the undercard of UFC. We know nothing about any of these fighters. And we're like, all right, we're just going to play small bets on whichever fighter looks like they're going to win the fight. And, yeah. you know, it's five dollars here or there you're winning or losing and we ended up three and three so you pretty much broke even uh but it turned what would have been something that was boring that we had no interest in into us living and dying on every punch from these up-and-coming mma fighters oh and this is and this is why gambling thrives oh it, it makes it more fun just yeah makes it more fun so head over to DraftKings. Download the app, use the code DNVR, and get your potential sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Yes, that's a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when you use the code DNVR. Of course, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. The bonus is comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Uh, And if you go over and do that, make sure you go to DraftKings Sportsbook uh, for info. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's hop into the questions from the people, Mason. I'll let you take the first one. All right, we're going to start off with Fumbles 
after seeing Locke's face after RK's question, if Jerry Judy is the best route runner he's ever seen, I 100% think Locke does. His grin from ear to ear said it all. I cannot wait to see this young core grow over the next few years. Keep up the amazing work, gents. Fumbles. And by the way, I, I love the the visual reaction because if we just heard it, I don't think it would have had the same punch. The other thing is when you asked a question and it was a yes or no question, I thought, uh-oh, I really hope this doesn't get a, a short, unmemorable response. And it didn't. You know, I am often very mindful with how I ask questions uh, to certain guys because if you give certain guys an out, they will take that out. Drew Locke is not one of those guys. I trusted in Drew <laughs> to give me a thoughtful answer no matter what he was going to say. And that, to me, was why I asked the question. Because would it have been great to see Drew say, oh my God, he's the greatest route runner of all time? Yes. But I felt no matter how he answered the question, it was going to be compelling. That's usually the type of questions I like to ask. And the way that he answered it, even though it was a little bit of a not answer, you got the body language, which was telling. And then you also learned about Drew Locke, the leader. This mm -hmm. kid is going to be starting his sixth NFL game in week one. And he's already protecting the rookies. Like, he, it's just unbelievable to me that that's, those are the types of things he thinks about. He thinks about how I answer this question might put pressure on Jerry Judy. That is such a veteran thing to be thinking. Yeah, and, and the other thing he's probably thinking is that, look, there's been enough hype and pressure put on him from everybody else, especially day after day, players on the defensive side raving about Jerry Judy. We heard again from A.J. Boye, and yesterday when I talked to Devontae Bosby one-on-one -on, -one on the phone, he didn't hold back in what he thought of Jerry Judy and what kind of player he was. So I think Drew probably thought, all right, I don't need to put any gasoline on this hype flame. I'll just play it cool. Love it. Uh, I, I am blown away by the way that his brain works. Next one here is from TK Freeze. He says, my boys, I lost my job due to COVID, and then I got COVID, and this stupid freaking pandemic is now trying to take our football. Stupid pandemic. Anyway, first of all, we're thinking of you, man. That, that really sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. He says, anyway, I've been working two jobs to catch up and have been trying to catch up on pods. I missed you guys. We missed you, too. Anyway, I was reading an article on NFLanalysis.net of four bold predictions for the Broncos' offense. One, Noah Fant scores seven TDs. Two, Sutton and Judy go for 1,000-plus yards each. Three, Drew Locke goes for 25 touchdowns and 4,000-plus yards. Four, Denver ranks top five in points scored and yards. Those are hot. He says these would be pretty intense. But any chance of any of these happening? And if so, what would it mean for the Broncos? As always, thanks, guys. Glad to be back. Well, I think what we should do is sort of take these in the order of most likely to least likely. All right. Okay. Most likely, Noah Fant scores seven touchdowns. So I think you're right here. Uh, it requires the least effort i guess you know like he, he, noah fan just has to get open seven times in the end zone there's not too many variables there yeah and i would say this you already see the trust that drew lock has in in noah fan and it's funny a lot of most days drew lock is opening throwing to Cortland sutton 
and then Noah Fant's right there behind him. I think that's where the work of last year is going to give Noah Fant a little bit of a leg up on some other guys. So that's that's why I'd start there. And I mean, I could see Noah Fant might not have as many yards as you want, but if he's effective in the red zone, I think uh, that's a huge thing for this offense and something they're going to try to to do next. Now, what do you think is number two? I think you and I might disagree on this. For me, number two is number two on this list. Sutton and Judy both go for a thousand yards. Okay, so we don't disagree. Yeah. Now, that being said, I think there's a huge gap from one to two, just because if this offense early on is emphasizing Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay is emphasizing ball security. Drew, Drew said yesterday that the number one priority was taking care of the ball, not turning it over. So it might be a little bit unsexy compared to what people want to see for a while with this offense. And it, and it looks like they're thinking of this offense in terms of complementing a defense. So the number one priority, obviously you want to score enough points, but protect the ball. So the defense is able to do its thing, not operate with a short field working against it and then win some games on field position. Yep, absolutely. Uh, third most likely for me, Drew Locke goes for 25 TDs and 4,000-plus yards. 100%. I'm right there with him. Yep, and then, of course, fourth most likely, Denver ranks top five in points and yards. There are some good offenses out there, Mace. That would be <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, and if the Broncos rank in the top five in points and yards since TK mentions what would it mean for the Broncos? I want to focus on number four because that is by far the most impactful of any of these possibilities. And if that is the case, well, first of all, if they're top five in yards, then there's a, there's a good chance number two and number three both happen. Mm -hmm. And secondly, top five in points and yards means that this team is right there with the Ravens and the Chiefs pushing to be in the Super Bowl. They're, they make a what appears to be a two-team race into a three-team race. I agree with you. I think that's a, a salient point. Yeah, thank you. Dan Burke, I've noticed a few beat writers say that Todd Davis has been making some plays in coverage. Now, Deshaun Hamilton is no spectacular athlete, but I heard Todd ran down the sideline the other day with Hamilton and forced an incompletion. Also heard he broke up a pass for Fant yesterday. Limited sample size, I know, but have you all noticed an improvement in coverage? Todd's low-key, one of my favorite players on the team, and he's criminally underrated by the fan base, so I'm happy to hear that it sounds like he's having a good camp. I was really impressed yesterday. Like I said, after a lot of thought, I ended up coming to him as the defensive player of the day. Um, it seems like he spent a lot of time working on his coverage. Mm -hmm. And he's never going to be a great coverage linebacker. But all you can ask for a guy is to identify his weaknesses and try to improve them. And it seems like that's something he's done. And the thing with Todd Davis, he's one of the smartest defensive players in all of football. And one thing is he may not have the physical attributes in terms of you know being a big guy or being a speed guy, but he's able to compensate for that with what he has upstairs. It's one reason why he's such a good compliment for Alexander Johnson. I feel like the two of them fill in the gaps of each other so well. They're like two jigsaw puzzle pieces together that fit perfectly and yeah, I thought Todd Davis looked good when he was out there on Friday. I'm looking forward to seeing him again Wednesday morning. 
But it doesn't surprise me that he's having a good camp. It's also, for him, the second year in Vic Fangio's scheme. It's a scheme that puts a lot intellectually on the linebackers. And with Todd Davis's smarts, he can handle that. Next one here is from True Champ Fan 24 He says, my boys, RK. That's all I'm going to say about that. Of course, True Champ Fan, a Utah Jazz fan as well. And he already owes me one pizza. We've got double or nothing on another pizza. And the Nuggets have now won all five games they've played against the Jazz this year, despite a Herculean effort from Donovan Mitchell. His best game of his life wasn't quite enough. Literally the third highest point total in NBA playoff history for Donovan Mitchell with 57 yesterday, and it wasn't enough. And it's, you know, the details change, but the script has been the same for the Jazz against the Nuggets. One heartbreaking loss after another. It's not like these games are blowouts. I mean, they're they're tight games. They they're swinging they're swinging on, you know, one possession, one you know, one foul, or in the case of yesterday, one eight second violation. Look, man, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, he was incredible, but all he has to do is get the ball over in eight seconds. The easiest thing he had to do all day, and the Jazz probably win that game. I have a feeling that, well, I hope jazz fans don't remember that uh, because it means they get swept and it doesn't, didn't matter what happened in that game anyway. But man, if this series becomes at all competitive, that one is going to be hard for jazz fans to forget. Well, and I hope Nuggets fans remember it, especially if the Nuggets win this series, because when fans come back to the Pepsi Center, if the Nugget, if the Jazz are struggling to get the ball up court, I want Nuggets fans to be counting if Donovan Mitchell is stalling and counting up to eight just to taunt him. Wow, that's an amazing taunt. Every <laughs> single time he gets the ball inbounded, the whole crowd just starts counting. One, two. Maybe it's better as a countdown because that's more like eight, yeah. seven, seven, six. Oh, that's fantastic. It's like back in the day, the Sonics fans, when they would when they would count one, two, three, four, when Carl Malone went to the line because he took forever in the Western Conference Finals, I think back in 96. That's one of the great fan moments in NBA history. So there's I, something there. I love that type of interaction when fans oh. get that involved. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, he goes on. On to football. I love the level of excitement for Hamler and Judy, but the biggest guy who benefits from all these new players isn't court. It's Noah Fant. I'm willing to bet as this season moves along, uh, teams are going to start respecting Judy, Hamler, and court so much more where they're going to overcommit to stopping them at every level. All it takes is one deep post route from Noah Fant lined up with some poor corner and nickel to really break the game. If Noah's half the talent of Kittle and Kelsey, who love to run those fast routes, Fant is going to feast with all the talent around him. I'd be willing to say that Denver has the most wide-out talent out of San Francisco, Casey, and Denver. I know it's high praise for rookies. That's a well, great point. And I, In terms of pure talent, true champ fan, I think you're exactly right. It's young talent. It's growing talent. It has to be cultivated, but pure, raw talent. And you can go down and talk about Albert Okwebunam and his 4-5 speed as well. And this is a guy who, if Noah Fant and Nick Vanette and Andrew Beck are healthy, Albert O is going to be on the 53, but he might not get a jersey this year. And he's got that kind of talent too. Yep, 
Absolutely. And I think you make a really good point there about how he can benefit from this because look at Travis Kelsey. If you watch Travis Kelsey over the course of a game, 80% of his production just comes from the the middle of the field being open. Mm-hmm. Like he just goes and sits down. I mean, if you go back and watch that snow game against the Broncos this year, all he did was just go find a safe spot, just sit down there as everyone's scrambling all over themselves to chase after those fast receivers. And he just catches pass after pass. If the Broncos receivers can put that much pressure on a defense, Noah Fant will feast. Yeah, he's not even going to be one-on-one sometimes. Sometimes he's going to be wide freaking open. Yep. LDJ, hey guys. So I'm super jealous you guys get to see Jerry Judy run routes in person. I envy Ryan because I remember the feeling of getting Judy on draft night, how you couldn't believe someone so good is now on your team. Then you go to training camp and you validate what you already felt and knew super jealous of that man i know it's weird but i want to see what the rest of the league is doing and um lol waiting on some highlights <laughs> like kj and judy from the afc west rugs has been unimpressive thus far and listening to raiders media say things like this defense looks so much faster makes me laugh that's the best you can say about your defense that's faster yeah nah buddy however cameron dantzler looks incredible with the vikings hope passing on him doesn't bite us in the butt so which rookie you think gets work with the ones outside of Judy first? KJ, Cushenberry, uh, Ojemudia, or Ocho Cinco? Thanks, guys. Have an awesome day. Well, I guess KJ was up there today, so mm-hmm. he he wins that competition. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's going to be sub-package because it's uh, working in three-wide set, but the Broncos are going to run a lot of three-wide sets, so definitely uh, KJ Hamler's up next. Uh, Ojemudia did get some first-team I believe sub package snaps today. So then he's right there and Cushenberry is, is waiting. But what's interesting is, you know, it's draft order. It's Judy, KJ Hamler, then Ojemudia, then Cushenberry. And then now McTelvin Ajim, he's also gotten some rotational mm. snaps as well. And Graham Glasgow mentioned him once he uh, remembered his name. At first he said 95, the way you learn new guys for a lot of players and coaches is you get the number right and then you get the name. And he said 95 and then he settled on McTelvin Ajim. But the way Ajim is looking and he had some flashes on Friday as well, uh, he's playing his way into this rotation, which is probably bad news for Demarcus Walker. Yeah, for sure. Next one's from Levatsky. He says, hey, this is tough for me to ask for help. Just ask my wife. I'm doing a GoFundMe as a math teacher to get a program that would help me and my students throughout the year. I know this is a great community, and I would appreciate any support. The link attached in the post or my Twitter is at Levatsky, uh, at L-I-T-V-A-K-S-K-I, where I've also included the link. Thanks to everyone here. Also, if anyone wants to share the link, please do so. Signed, the OG MVP, Levatsky. And yeah, if you're so inclined, uh, help him out. He's trying to figure out a way to help his students as obviously teachers are in a tough position uh, this this school year. So I retweeted the link, uh, or you can find it there in the comment section. Of course, links are for some reason invisible in the comment section, but if you just click in that general area, you'll probably hit it. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that today because uh, Rex Chapman on Twitter tweeted out video of something uh, that a 
an early childhood classroom instructor has done like, I think, or not early childhood, but first or second grade. And with the plexiglass shields that had to go in place around the desks was converting the bottom of them into like little buses and pointed out, yeah, she probably, she or he, whoever the teacher is probably did that at their own expense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so much of, of what teachers have to do, unfortunately is at their own expense. So Anything you can do to help out uh, Litvasky, if that's in your heart, please do. And and we support you and uh, and really really appreciate you doing what doing what you need to do and going the extra mile for the kids in what's going to be a very unusual and hopefully hopefully not, but probably a very tough year. Absolutely. Next one from Sir James Radio. As May said yesterday, the Broncos currently have an embarrassment of riches at the tight end position with the revelation of Nick Van Ant stellar blocking compounded with the depth the broncos should entertain vanette cross training at tackle a la Dwayne carswell who even moved inside the guard at one point if i'm not mistaken i believe he did yes well the thing with nick vanette is he's listed at 261 pounds mm-hmm. and Dwayne carswell earned his nickname house because as his career went on he was built like a house. He was pushing toward 300 pounds and beyond. So it was a natural transition for the big guy to go play tackle. Also, I remember Chad Mustard. Do you remember that name, RK? I think so. It rings a bell. The Broncos trust cross-trained him at tackle and tight end as well, although he wasn't as big as house was. I want to say that Mustard was in the... 280 pound range when the Broncos were trying him out at both roles. I'll say this though, Nick Vanette, a lot of people hated on the signing. Even yesterday in my mentions, people were hating on Nick Vanette. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a bit of a revelation. Yeah, I think so too. By the way, to kind of follow up on Lit Vaksky, Chad Mustard is a math teacher and varsity basketball coach in Bellevue, Nebraska. How about it? I remember when he played for the Broncos, I asked him, hey, you know, what what do you plan to do after? He was set on becoming a math teacher. It's his passion. So it's really cool to see him doing that. That is really cool. So moving on to Butch Cassidy. Yesterday, Drew made a comment about how he didn't want to heap too much praise on Judy in order to avoid putting too much pressure on him. Is it possible that not having fans in the stands can benefit young players early in the season, perhaps decrease the adrenaline on game day that leads to rookie mistakes? It makes the big plays less big, but it does. But it does it also make it easier to overcome mental mistakes? Go ahead, Mace. Okay. Well, just to kind of comment on that, to answer that specific question, I I think there's a a point to that, and I do think we're going to see some guys who are quote unquote practice players who maybe do better than expected. And maybe guys who are quote unquote gamers might not do as well as expected. The other thing is I think it's not going to have much of an impact on Jerry Judy, but I look at Garrett Bowles and Garrett Bowles at home clearly was doing with a home field disadvantage the last couple of years, because every time the Broncos fans heard holding offense number 72 the reaction was as visceral and negative as i've ever heard from broncos fans at home toward a single player so someone like garrett bowles i think i think the crowd probably got into his head a little bit i don't think he'll ever admit it and i don't maybe it's not something that you're consciously aware of but on a subconscious level it did and maybe led to more mistakes i think 
it's going to help him out not having many or any fans in the stands at all. It's a, I'll agree with you every time you say that one. Yeah. Uh, quickly, WGT Golf. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download World Golf Tour, the best app for playing golf on your phone. It's so much fun. You can play on tons of realistic courses from Pebble Beach to, you know, anywhere. St. Andrews, you can go anywhere. Uh, you can play closest to the hole. You can do all sorts of fun stuff at WGT. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT, and then go in and find the DNVR3 Country Club. You'll be able to play along with us every weekend as we do our tournaments. Uh, it's a it's an absolute blast. So dnvrgolf.com and then the Country Club. DNVR3, that's the number three in no spaces. And, of course, make sure you check out what we got going on at thednvr.com when it comes to rugby. You haven't become familiar with the sport yet. It's something that we've all kind of taken a liking to ever since we started uh, DNVR Rugby. And there's tons and tons of awesome content created by our, by our guy Colton over there. So check out the podcast. Check out the written stuff. There's tons of great ways to discover a new sport in rugby. Moving on, Jay Harrison 16. What's up, guys? I was going through some stuff a while ago and couldn't listen to podcasts and unsubscribe because they were too slow and I need to clear my head. But today I resubbed, and I hope you guys will accept me back. Well, of course. We always accept you back with open arms. Yes. I got a quick take. They aren't letting Dotson run with the ones because they don't want people to think that others are just hand a starting spot. They want everyone to compete to their highest levels. Plus, have you ever been on a team and felt some people were just handed spots because of who they are? It tears down team chemistry and causes commotion with, within the team. Hey, I remember uh, Isaiah McKenzie being handed a spot back in 2017. That didn't that caused a lot of problems with the veterans on that squad. And I don't necessarily think you have to hand them the spot. Just at least let them rep with the ones. Yeah, exactly. And I think you just kind of wait and see, but give him, give him a day. And the other thing is if you're concerned about his conditioning, just give him a, a period. Say, okay, yeah, these, these four first team snaps, we're going to run DeMar Dotson out there, see what he's got. Another question and sorry for not keeping it short. Do you think KJ Hamler will get a majority of the snaps in the slot come the start of the season? Thanks, boys. And from now on, Zach's nickname is Girth Daddy. <laughs> we'll try and make that one stick. Next one from the Big T. Hey, guys, we have two spots left in the DNVR IDP Dynasty Fantasy League. Try and say that 10 times fast. For the first year, at least, we are using the Flea Flicker website, mainly because it's free. It's a 16-team league, and our only rule is that we'll keep scoring fairly even across all positions. Scoring is fairly standard as is roster setup. Our full live draft is the evening of Tuesday, September 1st, and then again on Thursday, September 3rd. Old Dynasty, so rookie-only draft next year and on. We have a lot of podcasts, regular commenters as members of the league, and it should be a lot of fun. We can't fill the last two spots. We have some people uh, in reserve to play for a season if required. But if not, and we can't fill the spots, can we tempt any DNVR employees to join? Come on, you know you want to. <laughs> Anyone who wants to join, please send the Big Tabowski a DM on Discord or Twitter. Peace out and loving the training camp coverage. Go Broncos, the Big T. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and I, I have a strict two fantasy league rule, and they're pretty uh, reoccurring. So I, I, I just can't – I don't want to be that guy who isn't fully committed – to the league uh and you know makes the experience less fun for everyone and if i'm in more than two 
the one that I'm worst in is bound to get that treatment. Yeah, and you know what? I did a, a, a Dynasty IDP League several years ago, but I found that once a child entered the equation in the household, I just didn't have the same amount of time for it. So uh, if, if you want to join uh, the Big T's Fantasy League, reach out to him, let him know, uh, fa- find him on uh, on Discord or on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Big T. I can't, uh, I can't help you personally there. From the other Ryan, my boys, have the Broncos ever had a young quarterback with the maturity, talent, intelligence, and leadership qualities of Drew Locke? What he said when asked about Jerry Judy was really impressive. When Locke speaks, I get excited. When Locke plays, I get excited. Locke and this team's future is indeed exciting. Have a terrific Tuesday. DNV Army salute. Well, the Broncos, in terms of talent, they've only had a handful of, of young quarterbacks. I mean, you think, say, Jay Cutler, Tim Tebow, uh, John Elway back in the day. And I think uh, what you can easily say is in terms of the complete package, probably it, it, the best since John Elway for the Broncos among young quarterbacks that wore the orange and blue. Obviously, Jay Cutler beaming with talent did not have the same, uh, you know, composure and class and all that stuff when it comes to the media. Yeah, I mean, Drew smiles when he's talking to the press and uh, Drew will will smile and laugh and give you honest answers. And Jay Cutler looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. He looked like he'd rather be having root canal surgery than answering those questions. And it's funny because. I was a little worried, well, not worried about Drew Locke, but I think the reason that Jay Cutler was like that towards the media is because he came from a losing SEC football team where he got crushed by the media, I'm sure, all the time. No, he and, didn't because it's Vanderbilt. But still, <laughs> I, I assume the expectations were really high for him. He didn't have help around him, so they couldn't really win in the SEC. It's the exact same thing for Drew Locke extremely high expectations the hometown kid a true son as they say and didn't win but not because of drew lock because missouri shouldn't be in the sec in my opinion well and they don't necessarily have sec talent across the board well uh, to say though that he didn't win i mean he got them to bowls twice yeah well, which is two more bowls than jay cutler got vanderbilt to that's fair Uh, okay i mean and that it's sort of the funny thing like uh even like john elway didn't get uh, stanford to a bowl of senior season of course now every every team like stanford 1982 would would make a bowl but there was some success there but one of the things i think has helped drew lock is the fact that in that senior season that he had at mizzou uh, they they got off to a rough start and the, the game that sort of jumps out to me kind of the turning point for him was they're playing kentucky and it was a weekend when uh, the Broncos were in were in Kansas City, and I remember uh, following that game. And Mizzou loses fifteen to fourteen, and the Tigers do not get a first down at all in the second half. And that was the moment for the first time that Drew Locke actually faced cr- real harsh criticism. And what does he do the next week? He takes the Tigers down to Gainesville, Florida. They're playing the Gators. The Gators are in the top 15. Shreds them. Starts a four-game winning streak for Mizzou. Gets him to a bowl game. So when Drew was backed into a corner for the first time, he came out swinging and 
Mizzou end up with, uh, I believe, I believe in uh, eight and four regular season, and they lost the bowl game. But more and more, I'm realizing now that the Drew Lock we saw at the end of that season, that's the real Drew Lock. That's the one we're getting in the pros. And for me, that was the entire question. Which Drew Lock are you going to get? Are you going to get the one who was kind of scattershot and put up some big numbers, but also made some mistakes that could break your back from time to time? Or is it going to be the Drew Lock down the stretch of that senior year who turned a corner, became was not only more accurate than he'd been, uh, but also had more overall success than he'd had to that point? And it looks like that what we saw at the in the back half of Drew Lock's senior season was the real deal for what the Broncos got. I couldn't agree more. And, and that's just some that's part of the it factor, right? Yep. How you respond to adversity. And he yeah. has it in spades. Br- just brilliant. And uh and but the thing is, it's the rest of his career that's why he was a second round pick and uh some of and a, a lower completion percentage and a higher interception rate. But if Drew Locke had done what he did for those four games, if he'd done it for the course of his entire senior season, RK, he probably would have gone in the top 10 picks. He just have to kind of say thank you and, and, and relax and be thankful and, and be and appreciate how everything worked out. Completely agree. Yep. Swansea Bronco. Hey guys, first of all, you got me for a second year. Hey, got him. thank you. Secondly, who is looking like the strongest candidate to be the undrafted player makes the final 52? Is saying Bassey was my pick heading into training camp, but has he shown anything to indicate this being likely yet? Cheers. Uh, for me, I've again only seen one practice, which is so weird. But uh, yeah. for me, it was Levante Bellamy who was the most impressive out of the undrafted guys that I saw the other day. Yeah, I think Bellamy, even though he had that drop pass on Friday when I was there. I like the way he was running the ball. I like the way he protects the ball when he's going through the hole as well. He has that kind of veteran mindset of, you know, wrapping wrapping your arms around the football, making sure the defense can't get to it. So that's a positive for him. Um, I know Bassey did make a play either today or yesterday based on the reports out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like Bellamy's shown a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, both guys, strong candidates. And Mace, I guess the last one's for you as well. Yep, Count Locula. Is KJ Hamler open on every play? All the highlights I've seen, nobody can keep up with him. Can the O-line give us enough time to get him the ball deep, or should we just say, screw this and run the damn ball all day? Love the count. <laughs> uh, that's the big question, right? Can they can they hold up long enough to get KJ open? Um, I'd like to think so when this thing reaches its final form, but we just don't know yet. Uh, as for Hamler being open on every play, I got to admit, one of my disappointments of yesterday is I didn't see a lot of KJ Hamler getting the ball. Yeah, and that was the case on Friday as well. And I want to really sit down when I'm there on Wednesday and ISO on him a little bit on his routes to see kind of kind of what's going on. When he has the chance, he's he's able to make plays, but uh, is it a function of? working with Jeff Driscoll for the most part, although he did get some snaps with Drew Locke today. Is it, uh, is, is it the size? Is it the routes he's being asked to run? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. But that being said, KJ Hamler, as excited as we are about him, you knew that it was going to be a longer road for him than it was going to be for Jerry Judy. 100%. Yeah, it's not a, you know, not everyone can be Jerry Judy who comes out here and blows everyone's mind in the first day. <laughs> uh, he's just a different breed. But, I have a lot of hope in KJ Hamler. I just hope he gets there 
by week one, which is, you know, less than a month away. Yep. Clock is ticking. Absolutely. All right. Well, Mace, I think that was the last comment, so that's going to do it for us. And one last shout-out to WGT, dnvrgolf.com. That's how you can do it. Go in there. Go to DNVR3. That's our country club. You can get in on all of our tournaments every week. It's so fun. And I highly recommend coming, playing with someone that is also in the country club and getting a little competitive. Maybe throw some bets down on who's going to win. Keep it a little bit more fun. Uh, But for today, that's going to wrap it up on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's getting